It's like deja vu. Mark Cavendish does it again. Stage six victory in the Tour de France. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back. It's another Roadman Tour de France podcast. I didn't come to you yesterday, and I did flag this at the outset of the tour. If there's a stage that's just so desperate that I can't bring to bear commentary on it, I'm not going to commentate on it because I just think it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of my time. And honestly, the TT, as much as I like to geek out and nerd out on the tech, I am aware that, like, I like watching it. I enjoy watching it because I love seeing the positions, the hand positions, the head positions, the helmet, bike setups. But I am also aware that it is like watching paint dry. So instead of covering it, what I'm going to do is just briefly recap the results because although it is as boring as shit, it is very impactful on the general classification. For maybe regrettably, Pogacar blitzed it in 32 minutes with Stefan Kong second, Vindergaard at 27 seconds, which is a ride and a half from the Jumbo Visma kid. Wout van Aert at 30 seconds. Matthew van der Poel, we'll come back to that in a second, with arguably the ride of the day at 31 seconds. But we have to look back to seventh place for Roglic. 44 seconds he gave away to Pogaccia. Garant Thomas, G is at 118. He was in 16th place. And Carapaz in 23rd place at 144. So, the problem with this result from Pogaccia, arguably the Tour de France is, I don't want to say it's over because there's a lot could happen. But he has a very, very firm grip on GC, although he doesn't have the jersey at the moment because his closest rivals are so. His closest rivals that we know can rival him in the mountains are so far back and they're so beat up that Pogaccia, on a defense of his Tour de France crown, honestly, in stage six, he couldn't be happier, I'd say, at the moment. And he looks like a Rolls Royce. He looks like he's cruising around in third or fourth gear. And if he needs to, if you push the man, the man, that's a stretch. If you push the kid, he he has fifth, he has sixth gear. I don't know, maybe this lad has seventh gear as well. Today was like deja vu because Mark Cavendish won again into Chateauroux. And it's 10 years since Cavendish won this. And I flagged this two days ago when Cavendish won his first sprint. It's momentum, it's confidence, it's belief. And athletes know how important this is because when it's gone, it's it's like the deals in Power City, they're gone. But when you have that confidence, when you have that momentum, it rolls on one after the other. And there's rumored big bonuses. We've heard 100K per stage win thrown around. I'm not sure the truth of that. But we do know he's on a minimum wage contract, a quick step with a lucrative bonus structure. So 100K per stage and the momentum he is on. I don't know how many sprint stages Cavendish can win. He historically hasn't got through the mountains brilliant and it has fatigued him. But he looks the fastest man in the race, no doubt at the moment. It is actually, it's the comeback of all comebacks. He had that high profile, depression, lack of belief, illness. He'd come through all that. But what I'm just seeing in so many, even clients of ours and people hit me up over on Instagram, that's roadman.cycling. Give me a follow over there. It's just pure fire. We're out on a good five-hour gravel ride today. So shared some pictures and stuff from that. It was good fun. But Cavendish, 
this comeback, I'm getting messages over on Instagram from people who are inspired by his comeback, people who haven't ridden for years and now they want to come back. Not saying they're going to come back and win Tour de France stages, but it's given them a belief, it's given them a hope, and that's brilliant to see. Cavendish is inspiring people. He's the fastest man in the race at the moment. There's a couple of questions that are left unanswered for me today. Actually, before we jump into that, what was interesting today was the intermediate sprint, because Cavendish, for whatever goes on in intermediates, he doesn't seem to be able to muster a sprint out. Whether it's just he's such a winner that he doesn't give a shit about the intermediate, I don't think that's true because he needs them for the green jersey classification, which he's leading at the moment. It just seems like the legs aren't woke up, or if he's not going for the real thing, that it doesn't matter. But there was Buhani getting a little bit of shit undeservedly, and you know I'm not a Buhani fan. I think he's very dangerous. I don't think the UCI impose enough sanctions on how dangerous he is, but he wasn't actually at fault in the intermediate sprint today and he took a lot of abuse from you know other riders i think it's just his reputations following around at this stage and they felt he deviated from his line when i don't think he did and the deviation from the line is a recording team that we're seeing on twitter after this stage because cavendish did deviate from his line he deviated from his line quite significantly it didn't cause a crash the two uh, Alpes and Phoenix riders, Philipson and Tim Miller, they sort of navigated around them, had to hesitate, and maybe it cost them a little bit in the sprint. But honestly, this is cycling. This is bike racing. There's, I've heard people talking about maybe we draw lines on the road, and when the sprint opens out, you have to sprint in your lane. That's not bike racing. We don't need to reinvent this. Bike racing has an element of risk. And this is just, this is quite topical at the moment here in ireland we have a brilliant tuesday night criterium that runs all summer we have it on a closed moto gp circuit called mondello the straights the whole course you literally land a jumbo jet on it it's that wide so there's no tussle for position there's no other traffic on the course there's a separate a4 race three two one race sorry the trees twos and ones are in together and there's a separate a4 race for the beginners and there's been a couple of crashes in recent weeks and now it turns out that the race is under review because of the crashes and potentially we're going to lose it off the calendar the organizers have literally done everything they can to make this race as safe as possible now the criticism is that there wasn't enough medical staff and ambulances around but cycling is dangerous there is a level of risk associated with being a bike racer. We can't sterilize the whole thing. You know, we can't have ambulances following people on training rides. You know, we ran a five-hour gravel spin through the mountains today. You can't have ambulances and defibrillators around all the time. It's a risky game. So the question then becomes, what level of risk is acceptable? And for me, when we strap on the numbers and we go into a bike race, I do it knowing and I do it conscious that there is a level of risk. So whether it's our local criterium getting cancelled or it's cavendish deviating from his lion stop trying to fucking sterilize everything because life is sometimes risky and you can't wrap people up in padded jackets all day long and hope they don't have anything bad happen to them because that's not what real life is so that deviation is one thing that's kind of on my mind at the moment the second thing is Alpes and Phoenix, they're doing such a great job. Quick step, boss the lead out, the only one to challenge it on the far side of the road. And this actually reminds me of Cav in the high school and the high road days, high school days, the high road days where we had this dual lead out and we had Alpes and Phoenix with the yellow jersey, Matthew Vanderpoel, 
bringing them up and it was brilliant to watch the Maillard Jean on the front of the Tour de France bringing up his sprinters but they can't seem to agree who is the sprinter Tim Malier is the sprinter but Philipson for some reason is getting a dice every now and then there's a couple of problems with it it's the belief thing we talked about when you sprint every day for Cavendish the team is all in for Cavendish the team don't know who they're all in for and if Malie is leading now Philipson is he all in I don't know there's a different dynamic and there's a different momentum when you're not sure who your number one sprinter is Tim Malie has won a stage already sprint for him what's the problem he's won a stage uh, we don't need to I don't know it just seems like they don't want to hurt Philipson's feelings but maybe they're trying to assess it and say there's certain sprints finishes that are more suited to him but it just looks like indecision and indecision doesn't breed confidence belief momentum so mark cavendish refused to be drawn on it but he is only two wins away from the great eddie Merckx's record will we see him getting it in this tour de france i don't know i would love to see it but who knows Tomorrow, I do know he won't be getting it. It's stage seven. It's 248 kilometers from Verizon to Le Croissant. We have two category four climbs, two category three climbs, and one category two climb close enough to the finish. Are we going to see Matthew van der Poel holding on to the jersey? It may be a little bit of an ask, but I think he will hold on to it as long as we don't see serious GC action and Pogaccia going on the attack. Um, are we going to see Garant Thomas Roglic losing more time I don't know there's a lot of answers that the road there's a lot of questions that the road is going to answer for us tomorrow Roadman thank you for tuning in to another Roadman podcast and please do all the good stuff that helps the podcast because it really makes a difference subscribing over on Patreon we've talked about we have this model of soundness the podcast is free and it's free because people are choosing to subscribe and sponsor and buy the price of a point over on Patreon the link is in the bio to go and do that share the podcast on instagram you know share take take a screen capture on your spotify and or apple or wherever you're listening to it and stick it up on your instagram stories and tag me on it roadman.cycling follow us in all the usual places and if you're listening to it anywhere like it give good reviews all that stuff there's these magic algorithms in the background and all that stuff matters i promise you so i do appreciate it roadman thank you for listening to another roadman podcast and we will definitely be back tomorrow because this stage has drama written all over it right safe Hey everybody, it's Anthony again. Really quick, I want to invite you to join arguably the best thing I've ever put out inside the Roadman community. It's a challenge. It's a challenge called the 14 day kickstart challenge. So regardless of where your fitness is at right now, this is gonna be the catalyst for making you faster and making you leaner. I've created this challenge to take the guesswork out of everything. It's 14 days of training plans, regardless of what your level is. There's masters, beginner, advanced. There's meal plans, shopping list, and even a video course holding your hand and talking you through it all. So what I recommend you do right now is just stop everything, press pause on this audio, and go to roadmancycling.com forward slash 14 day, or check out the link in the bio. That's roadmancycling.com slash 14 day.